We had some technical difficulties tonight getting point and click up and on the air, and we apologize. You're tuned to KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, K201HR Fort Bragg 88.1 FM. Uh, and uh, also streaming live on the web at kzyx.org. This is Point and Click Radio. We're up and running. Okay, let's fade the music and get in. We're, we're a little late tonight. And in the interest of transparency, because, you know, we are a technology show here and we should talk about technology, including when it doesn't work. Yes. Uh, KZYX, as I'm sure uh, our listeners know, have multiple um, satellite studios. These, there's the Philo studio, there's a Fort Bragg studio, there's a Ukiah studio where Bob is right now. And... Oftentimes, over the course of the day, the main control, the main, uh, the main feed from one studio to another has to be switched by this, uh, these set of devices. Those devices work really, really well almost all the time. <laughs> Sometimes, well, not so much. Um, and that is what happened tonight. Um, the Philo um, uh, control room was still in uh, was still in control, and it had not switched over to the Ukiah studio where Bob is right now, at home on the coast, connecting via Zoom as I always do. But that didn't have anything to do with tonight's glitch. That was all about just the switch over from one studio to another. So there it is, your dose of transparency and just and uh, and our full admission that technology is often a flawed beast. And interestingly. The solution in tonight's case was the solution that is so very often the case in the computer world. Turn it off and turn it back on again. The device that connects the Philo Studio to the uh, Ukiah Studio um, needed a reboot, and um, and that brought it up. There's still some little weird glitch that Bob is trying to iron out right now that allows him to come through. So for now, um, it looks like I am uh, joining you um, solo while I watch Bob via Zoom troubleshoot. So we will start out with our lead story tonight, and that is a dubious award received by our own county, Mendocino County, by the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Uh, Bob and I talk about EFF a lot. They're a digital civil uh, civil liberties group. They are kind of the digital cyber equivalent to the ACLU, if you will. And every year, the EFF has a kind of a mock awards um, season that they call the Foilies, and that's F-O-I-L-I-E-S. And the F-O-I stands for Freedom of Information, and that deals with that um, state and federal legislation that enables members of the public, you and me, to get public records and request public records to um, let uh, to to keep informed as to the goings on of our county um, and our elected officials and the departments within our, uh, our our government. And the Foilies Award for 2023 by the Electronic Frontier Foundation given to Mendocino County, and this is very much a dubious award. This is not something that um, our uh, our board of supervisors or our county uh, officials are going to get a uh, a plaque for that they're going to want to hang on their wall was the tax, the, the Transparency Tax Award. 
And I'll just read, there's just several paragraphs here that, uh, that the EFF talks about uh, Mendo County and our dubious award. The Foilies regularly recounts outrageous public records fees that seem clearly aimed at discouraging specific records requests. But those are usually one-off efforts aimed at specific requests. This award is to officials in Mendocino County, California. It's based on their creation of a fee system that appears designed to discourage everyone from requesting public records. The ordinance lets officials charge you $20 per hour to look for records if you fail to, quote, describe a specifically identifiable record, unquote. So if you asked for the sheriff's policy 410.30, you wouldn't get charged. But if you asked for, quote, all directives, policies, and orders related to body-worn cameras, unquote, you might have to pony up hard cash. Even worse, the ordinance says that, says that if you ask for emails or other types of records that may include information that needs to be redacted or withheld, the county would charge you $50 or $150 per hour, depending on whether an attorney needs to be involved. In other words, the ordinance punishes the public for not knowing exactly how the county organizes and stores its records, or what records might contain sensitive information. If you have an encyclopedic knowledge of the county's systems and know how to request records, you may, may, not, you may not be charged any search fees. But if you're a normal person who just wants to find out what's happening in the county, you are probably going to be charged a huge search fee. The EFF goes on to say, Mendocino County's ordinance is on shaky legal ground. The California Public Records Act does not give state and local government agencies the authority to assess their own search fees, review fees, or even fees to redact records. The law only allows agencies to charge the public what it costs to make copies of the records that they seek. That would be like five cents per page. Yeah, yeah photocopy, yeah. printer paper, whatever. Yeah. But aside from being potentially unlawful, Mendocino County's fee ordinance is an affront to its residents. It treats all records requests as hostile, resource wicked. But it treats all record requests as hostile, resource wasting inquiries rather than a central mission of any public agency committed to transparency. Hmm. So there you go. The the worldwide Electronic Frontier Foundation calls out Mendocino County for a, um, at best, inconvenient and unfair and at worst, illegal policy that charges you and me to make public records requests. And punishes the citizens for just wanting to and find out. the citizens for wanting to know what's going on in its, in its, uh, in its local government. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how long that's been in effect. I did I wasn't really. I wasn't familiar with that because I don't normally go down to the county office and record uh, request records. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. It's a good question. Yeah, it was signed by Darcy Antle, the clerk of the board, and co-signed by Ted Williams, su uh, board of supervisors. Yeah, and also um, Christian Curtis, the county uh, council, on the twelfth of July, twenty twenty-two. So oh. that is a uh, that is and it, and it was voted uh, it was passed uh, unanimously by all five county supervisors. I wonder if the if the what they passed. I wonder if they were aware of what the possible 
um, actual, you know, day-to-day effect of that would be, or if it was just kind of a boilerplate thing they all voted on. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably cost you some money to ask for the public records. I would that. think so. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to. I'll have to make sure. I maybe I'll use some um, AI to generate my records request. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. What I do. Yeah, that's an interesting story to lead with. I mean, you and I have been fans of the EFF since they first came into being, yeah. like more than thirty or years ago, however long it's been. But uh, and, and we've and even watchdogs for you know public yeah. accountability and. Um, and and privacy online privacy issues. Um, no, we've had uh, we've had folks from EFF on as guests, calling you know telephone guests on the show yeah. in the past. Yeah, uh, they do wonderful work. Well, um, I'm Bob Lawton. You're Jim Hyde, and we are uh, <laughs> Hi, off to a little bit of a slow start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the delay was running in Philo, so it's I got to hear myself making. <laughs> uh, it was a. Making a, a complete uh, uh, um, mess out of the uh, beginning of the show, but that's you know that's what happens uh, at uh, you know in public radio, and uh, we do have a, um, um, a quiet drive coming up. I think I can't remember yeah. the exact dates, but uh, I want all our regular listeners to um, be aware of that. Tell your friends uh, the station always needs support, but now that they're planning to build a brand new station owned headquarters in Ukiah there's a lot of uh, a lot of momentum to get uh, get the funds coming in and I really want to encourage everybody to to uh, support the station yeah yeah well this is point and click radio the bi-weekly computer show we're on every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. Jim Hyde Bob Lawton uh, talking about computer news digital technology and the, the more interesting aspects of of our our digital lives, including social media and the internet and all kinds of stuff, including one of our uh, mutually favorite topics, Jim, photography. And you sent me a link to something about a uh, the hipstomatic. Is that it? Was that the? There's there's cool news and sad news. Okay. Well, I want you to tell me about this because I this is interesting. Back when the first iPhone came out, and it was like, wow, this is a phone that actually has a half-decent, good-not-great camera, um, a, uh, an app called Hipstamatic came out, and the big notable feature of it was the ability to apply all of these different filters to your photos to alter their appearance, make them look like they were taken with an you know, 1800s uh, you know, view camera, the kind of camera Matthew Brady might have used for his f- Civil War photos, or make it look like uh, it was taken by a Polaroid, or had little sprocket holes on the top of it to bottom to make it look like it was a negative. All of these different effects you could add to your photos. And one reason they did that is because the quality of the photos was kind of like good, not great. And so it was like, well, if you make it look like an old-fashioned photo, then it just kind of hides all those hides all those flaws. Sure. And it was a really, really popular app for a while, and it never really went away. Um, but just recently, the Hipstamatic folks are launching a social network that is the kind of in- anti-Instagram. Oh. You know, 
Instagram, the hugely popular photo and now video um, social network, now owned for a long time, owned by Facebook, and for a long time polluted by advertisements and with many, many questions about privacy and what Facebook is doing with their data, all those usual Facebook questions. Um, uh, Hipstamatic is launching their ad-free, algorithm-free photo sharing service social network sounds like a shoebox (laughs) well there's there are no ads yeah the feed that you see is chronological it's not organized by algorithm by who's you know showing you the photos who are uh, of the people who are most popular um there is no video and the the founders of it said yeah no there's no video and there never will be it's Uh only photos so if you are like me into sharing photos online and enjoying looking at photos that other people have posted, um, you might want to check out Hipstamatic. That's Hipsta, H-I-P-S-T-A, wait, H-I-P-S-T-A, Hipstamatic. And, uh, and I imagine, let me just double check here, I imagine you can get them at, uh, at uh, hipstamatic.com. This sounds uh, vaguely familiar, um, like Flickr maybe? Isn't Flickr, uh, I don't know if Flickr has ads now, but um, it was chronological and it was not algorithm driven, although they had, I guess, popular photos of the day and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Flickr, there's still, I think there's a, and Flickr is still around. Oh yeah. Now owned by a, um, a company called Smugmug, which is kind of a cool family owned um, camera uh, company that originally started up business making prints. You know, if you wanted a print or a book from your digital photos, you could send them to Smugmug and they would make them. Um, and then they expanded to provide like online portfolios. If you were a photographer and you wanted to have a portfolio, you could get a set up your own online portfolio through Smugmug. And then maybe a few years ago, they bought Flickr from Yahoo, which didn't really do any, which Yahoo never really did Flickr any favors. No, not at all. I they was... kind of bought it and didn't really know with it what to do with it and just kind of let it languish and they missed the boat on mobile. And that's why Instagram was able to take over you know, the mobile photography world. Right. Um, and I was wrong about hipstamatic.com. If you just go to uh, the search engine of your choice and, and search for hipstamatic, you will see, um, oh no, I'm sorry. No, I take it back. It is hipstamatic. Dot com. So if you just go to the search engine um, of your choice and do a search for Hipstamatic, you will uh, you will get to their uh, to, to their to their website, um, and you can uh, and you can and, and you can check it out and tell your friends and your family because that's what social networks are all about. They're connecting with people, hopefully that you know, and maybe people you don't know, but um, obviously it's about connection. And um, it looks it looks encouraging. It's nice to see an alternative to the very ad and personal information snarfing um, algorithmic nature of Instagram. So hipstamatic. Well, yeah, Instagram got really popular and then they got immediately uh, snapped up by uh, Facebook, now Meta. And uh, you can't, you can't uh, browse around Instamatic. Um, you have to join, you know, if you try to, somebody sends you a link to a photo, you, it comes up and then you get a, a big uh, pop-up window that says sign in or join or 
yeah. get out of here. <laughs> you know, yeah. if we can't target you with ads, then uh, speaking yes, of, that's right. If we don't know who you are, if we can't attach a tracker to you, then uh, right, interested in you. Yes, put a GPS in your shoe. Um, speaking of Meta, by the way, there was a, a, a brief mention. I, I think I think I sent you a link to it. Uh, Facebook Meta, always original, is thinking about selling blue check marks for their accounts now. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, the whole verified thing. So these some of these social networks, because advertising is down yes. in the world of social networks, and that's one of the main reason that those networks exist. They want you to post content so that they can put ads between the posts. Right. They want you to create content that you put your time into so they can suck money out of it. That that exactly well said, and, and not give you anything except maybe charge you for your your blue check mark, right? And and so because uh, advertising is down on the web the last year or two as the economy kind of lurches and struggles to get back on its feet, um, the social networks have tried to figure out other ways to monetize, as they say. And this whole idea of selling verification is is one of those ideas. Um, where if you pay, I think it's eight dollars a month on Twitter, you can get the you know the blue check mark that says supposedly you are who you claim to be. Although I think everyone knows that didn't go exactly smoothly. When they no, and they out. just want your eight dollars, and they don't care if you really are. You know, uh, uh, it's almost like buying a fake ID. Yeah, <laughs> and Facebook is now doing the same thing. I think theirs is eleven dollars a month. Yeah, but that's just to show that you uh, paid them the eleven dollars. I don't think it verifies yeah. that you're you. I don't. I don't think it does. But Facebook, uh, Twitter used to provide the blue check mark on request. Like, uh, for example, if you were a staff writer at the New York Times or Washington yeah. Post or whatever, you would automatically get a blue check mark because you could enroll your whole staff of writers. You know, and they yeah. would want the. Or if you were an, a well-known actor or a performer of yeah. public. A figure who had you know thousands and thousands of followers there would they would give you that they would verify that it was really you i don't know exactly what the system was for verification but the bottom line was you got that little blue check mark and that allowed your followers to know that that was really bob lawton and not someone who set up a fake account and is posting things about you yeah. know on this for cats yeah maybe twitter had to put in a FOIA request for your birth certificate or something like that yes. yeah. yeah yeah so, so this seems to be the way the things are going with these uh these major sites now they still got billions of followers so i mean it's not like they've suddenly come to a screeching halt but it seems like things are changing around and they've been having layoffs too i believe oh by the by the many many thousands yeah many with many within the uh this is we're talking about meta here formerly known as facebook or the parent company of Facebook, um, they, you know, as their name change of a couple of years ago showed, they went all in on this whole meta visit, metaverse business of wearing the goggles and transporting yourself into another, you know, virtual world. Yeah. And um, that has taken off slower than they expected. <laughs> And they put a lot of personnel and a lot of resources into well, it. Well, like and, really billions of dollars and 
tens of thousands of programmers and, and engineers and all that kind of stuff. And I think they were, weren't they planning on selling virtual real estate and virtual uh, fat clo- clothing fashions and stuff like that? They were getting all set up to do this sort of uh, Barbie and Ken on, online experience. Virtual commerce. V-commerce. Yeah, V-commerce, right. Yeah. And I don't. And, think- um, and, and it's the stuff is cool. You know, I have the little Oculus uh, Quest Two um, goggles, and I have a f- good friend in Seattle who, who we play miniature golf with all the time. Oh, and it's it's really sweet and it's really fun. Um, now Meta, there's talking. You know, they have like the you can sit around a virtual conference room and have meetings with your colleagues and. The idea of wearing this brick on your forehead yeah. <laughs> and having a business meeting when Zoom, as you and I are meeting right now, Bob, works really pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, I think that was really kind of a, a, an overreach on their part. Um, and between that and just the complexity of developing all of this stuff and the fact that the ad revenue from their other companies like Instagram and Facebook is down, um, they really retrenched a lot. And they're still doing it, but um, not that long, not like they were. No. And, I think and it's with a, fewer headcount. I think it's affected their share, uh, their stock price and stuff like that because yeah. uh, it's not uh, – you know, I wonder how much of this stuff has been affected by uh, – by the um, pandemic fatigue oh. of of all the stuff that's gone on over the last two or three years, you know, nobody could have predicted this. Uh, I think it was. I think it was a you know, the economy and so many aspects of the economy and so many aspects of life are a pendulum that swing between extremes. And when a pandemic hit, and so many people were working from home all of a sudden. And so reliant on products from Apple and Facebook and Zoom and Microsoft, all of the tech companies hired and Amazon ordering all of their products, you know, on Amazon because we were all scared to go into the stores. All of these tech companies hired thousands and thousands of people to meet the demand that the pandemic originally created yeah scared to go into stores scared to go into stores jim i used to wipe down my ups packages with the uh, disinfectant wipes before i even bring them in the house you know completely it was totally when our, <laughs> when our when we had one of our dogs groomed immediately after she came back in the house i gave her a bath <laughs> oh god <laughs> poor thing i, I mean know. we were yeah because i mean we didn't know nobody knew science no. didn't know Anyway, you know, the pandemic isn't really over yet. No. At the same time, it has, it has moderated to the point where people are starting to go back into stores. People are starting to go back into offices. And all of a sudden, all of the tech companies had a lot of employees, a lot of extra headcount that all of a sudden they didn't need as much anymore. And then along with that comes the downturn in advertising because the economy is still kind of on shaky ground and interest rates and inflation and all the rest of the hey, hey, hey. Um, it has led to tens of thousands of layoffs uh, in the uh, in the technology sector. It doesn't mean that tech is going away. Oh no, far from it. Um, the artificial intelligence, one of the subject areas that we've been talking about a lot here on Point and Click Radio, is hotter than it's ever been, and it is right now the real kind of um, you know the the golden star of uh, of the technology world. Um, 
but the pendulum has swung. It's swung back to a uh, to a point where tech companies have realized that they over resourced, they over hired, um, and now, sadly, the, the sad part of that is that uh, is that uh, a lot of people are are looking for work as a result. Well, you um, you sent me a link to an article about Amazon laying off the entire staff of that uh, great digital camera site, uh, DP, yeah. Re- DP Review. I didn't know that Amazon actually bought that. And it, was, it happened a long time it's ago. It's a strange acquisition. Was it just to simply drive all the camera purchasers straight to Amazon? Is that what it was? Like a, you know, like a giant affiliate link? In, in that's online. kind of, I think, what kind of should have happened more. I read an article about it yesterday. This is DP Review, digital photography, dpreview.com. A wildly popular digital photography website. Incredibly detailed camera reviews. I mean, page after page and sample images and big giant versions that you could download and just, you know, pixel peep and analyze every image. Video reviews. Um, and huge, hugely active um, community forums where people would ask and ask and answer questions and debate which lens is better and share sample images and all that stuff. Really a vibrant website for people who are into photography. It's going away. Um, some years ago, Amazon bought it. And I think the idea at the time was what you just said, Bob, that they would kind of interweave them uh, better because hey, if you're looking for digital camera uh, information, then chances are maybe you're in the market. And hey, we're Amazon over here, and how about buying it from us? Um, That never really kind of happened to the degree that maybe it should have. So um, I think it was just yesterday that um, the official announcement went out that uh, DP Review is shutting down. Um, They're going to be posting new content through about the 10th of April or so, and then the really kind of ominous part is the uh, set that said the website will be frozen at that time and will be available for a limited time thereafter. And that, I mean, Amazon, like, come on, you guys have the disk space. (laughs) You know, this is like, this is like burning the Dead Sea Scrolls. Why would they Keep it up there as a record, as well, a resource. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much could that cost to at least have the the archived site be available to people to look up reviews of cameras? And, you know, I mean, if you're going for a digital camera and you find a couple models on eBay that are appealing to you, a site like that would instantly tell you, you know, what the features were that you might want to consider. Totally. And lenses, the lenses that, you know, maybe that's maybe not the camera bodies are being the, are the most current in the reviews, but the lenses are still current and there's tutorials and, and all the rest. And I mean, Amazon, Amazon runs Amazon Web Services with the biggest cloud computing provider on the planet. And you can bet the DP review is served through Amazon Web Services. So oh, yeah, they've, it would cost them. Not all that. Not much. even the, not even the sofa cushion change. It would have cost them to they, keep it up. Exactly. They would. They it would, was they would cost less than a week's supply of Jeff Bezos's head scalp wax. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> or the uh, cost of cleaning out the uh, the SpaceX. Uh, <laughs> you know. By the way, this just in That's this article. Right. This article was updated uh, uh, about the DP review closing down. It says update three twenty two twenty twenty three. Regardless of what Amazon plans to do with the site archive, 
the Internet Archive is, quote, working to scrape over 4 million articles and posts from DP Review and its forums between now and when the site closes. It will be available to view on the Internet Archive site. Oh, bless them. And will be downloadable in the web archive w-a-r-c format for offline viewing now that is that's fantastic see now that's they're not nobody's paying them to do that they're not selling ads they're a public service that's there yep. for, for the they good of good of humanity supported by a foundation and by donations yeah but anyway this org oh that's fantastic that's great news yeah they just appended this article that you sent me the one that's on ars technica but this is this um closing down the dp review digital photography um website uh is just a small part of this layoff it says amazon plans to lay off at least twenty seven thousand workers this year this is like general motors back in the 80s you know i mean yeah this yeah, is uh, exactly. But those twenty-seven thousand people weren't weren't pounding out bumpers and fence, fenders and uh, and putting cars together. They were sitting there doing whatever they do at Amazon. They were typing. <laughs> yeah, they were all typing. Yes. Now Man. that's something else. I wonder. I wonder what percentage uh, of these, because I'm sure that um, you know we're starting to get the AI in the form that it's being packaged up for individual users, you know, for, for like hobby use or just experimenting with or maybe trying to write your job application or your, um, you know, your, your um, uh, college papers or something like that. But I wonder if, I wonder how many of those 27,000 jobs at Amazon are actually being replaced by AI bots that they figured out how to do the work. <laughs> the work, you know, answering uh, customer service emails. Yeah. I mean, if they're getting. Maybe. I, You know, I suspect, I mean, a lot of it are, well, and I, in, in Amazon's case, they have laid off a ton of people who worked in the Alexa, the, um, you know, the smart, smart devices um, division. Oh, okay. Those turned out to be that those those whole devices. You know, they're popular, but again, Amazon created them hoping that you would use them to shop. You know, Alexa, order twelve cans of tuna fish, or whatever it might be, yeah. which you can do. But most people use them for streaming. You can listen to this very station by saying, "Alexa, play KZYX," and it'll play. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Or for setting timers and asking what time it is or whether what, what the weather forecast is or, you know, what time the Giants game starts that day. Um, and they were selling the hardware for not a whole lot. I don't, I don't think they were losing money on them, but they weren't making, you know, scads of profit on them either. Right. And, and they were hoping you would use it to order your next um, case of toilet paper or vac <laughs> vacuum cleaner bags or whatever. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. And I guess that didn't work out, so they uh, so they greatly trimmed down the size of that uh, of yeah. that team. Um, I, the phone's starting to ring. Um, in other news, spring has sprung. This just yes Monday, Tuesday, kind of depending on which part of the globe you're on, was the first day of spring. So we're mm -hmm. actually you know turning the turning the pages on the calendar, and hopefully the weather will get better. Uh, we've had I a lot so. of rain. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we've we've made those two transitions. We're on daylight savings time, and we are now past the uh, spring equinox. Let's go to the phones. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, did you ever get a chance to check out Anand Adi? Tell me that again. 
that non ID. No, Addy. A N O N A D D Y. Oh, a non Oh, that's when we were talking about masking your email address, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's right. cool. It it's, a, it's an anonymous email forwarding. Address. It's an anonymous email okay. forwarding service where if you want to sign up, we talked about not a non-ID in specific, but in general, um, maybe a month or so ago when we talked about all those annoying uh, little messages that websites display that say, you know, subscribe to our newsletter and get 10% on your, and how then advertisers can use that to track you from one website to another. Well, the, 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 the positioning of that invitation to sign up and get 10% off your first order. That's what I commonly see, you know, Yeah. or sign up for our newsletter. But I mean, you're on the site for two and a half seconds and then this thing pops up right away. Yeah. They, they want to snare yes, you with that. That little bubble that comes up is uh, a, a, an app that's built into the the web site structure. That it's 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 the same company that's doing it all across. It's it's like Google Analytics or something like that. It's 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 not just that site deciding wouldn't it be nice to offer our first no, business right, time. Right. It it it's a way to to grab that information and consolidate it for um, for tracking you for tracking for yeah. advertising yeah. yeah and and so we what we talked about is one way to thwart that well obviously one thwart one way to thwart is just to close that little box yes and not enter any email address but if you want to get that fifteen percent discount or you maybe you want to subscribe to the newsletter you think it might be valuable or whatever. Um, you can use anonymous email addresses in a few different ways. And one is with um, Anon Addy, that's A-N-O-N-A-D-D-Y, um, anonaddy.com, that um, will allow you to create a, an email alias that is a, a fake, um, it's not fake, it's, but it's not your actual real um, email address that you might give out to a, to a business colleague or to a friend. Um, another way to do it is with the Mac the and or any recent Apple device uh, has a the operating systems have a feature called hide my email where whenever there's a text box where an email address would go it gives the, a, your device whether it's a Mac or Safari the Safari browser yeah it has to be in Safari I believe it has to be Safari yes good point will uh, throw up a little message saying, you know, would you like to create an email address for this particular account? And then Apple behind the scenes will forward, and it'll give a weird email address that is like a weird combination of, of, of words that, that don't make any sense. Um, and every single site that you go to that uses it, it will use a created different one. Yes. And that way, it, will, it will log them for you too, and, and it will log them for it'll, you. So you don't say, you don't have to write them all down. I used to 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 you know sign up for the newsletter at uh, catclothing.com. Yes, and uh, and the beauty of that is that every single email address you enter is different. Therefore, they can't track you. They can't say ah, you know. Um, uh, you know, Jim Hyde at Mac.com, he's going to all of these same websites with that email address. That allows us to learn some things about him and put ads in front of his eyeballs. Did you just give out your email over the over the radio? I have one of many and <laughs> one of, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that 
that wouldn't work for a PC, right? That would only no, work for there's, a Mac? Yes, that is specific. services, though. That's specific to Apple. But what I was going to say is that DuckDuckGo, the privacy uh, browser search engine. I have that. Okay, yeah. do you have the duck.com email address? Probably not. Uh, you should probably apply for that. If you get the duck.com email address, it works as a forwarding service. And um, ah. it goes to the DuckDuckGo servers. Uh, it's your name at duck.com. And at the DuckDuckGo website, when you sign up for it, you link it to the real email address that you want to use. You can only use one email address. It's attached to your yeah. fictitious, quote-unquote, duck address, and it forwards it, but it also strips out the trackers, and it, it, it kind of cleans out all the nasty stuff that those marketing uh, services and stuff put in there. But any browser that you put the duck extension in will then do the same thing that Jim was talking about with the Apple service. It'll generate a made-up, weird, you know, letters and numbers all scrambled together email address that you can use for signing up for that stuff. And uh, it will be similar to to the Apple hide my email. And so that, that address that is – because even if you – used a duck address if you went around to all these different sites and services and newsletters it would also start to build a pro build a profile and eventually they put two and two together with your ip address and all that other stuff and figure out who you are so this makes it a little more obscuring and that'll work on pcs macs uh, portable devices everything uh from DuckDuckGo. Well, which one of those would be better to use the Ammon addy or the uh duck, duck, um i don't uh, know is DuckDuckGo, is there's offering completely free, Bob? Yes. Well, that's one good argument for it. It's completely free. And on Addy has, like so many things do these days, they have a few different tiers. They have a completely free version that gives you, um, you know, a fairly limited number of, like, um, aliases or domain aliases. Um, then there's another a light L-I-T-E plan that's a dollar a month, so that's uh, basically free. Um, and that gives you a lot more um, flexibility. And then there's a pro option that's $3 a month. Um, so none of the three are particularly egregious. But, um, you know, you might start out, caller, you might start out with the DuckDuckGo um, offering because it is free and see how you like it. And, um, you know, it's and, – uh, and if you don't, then you can, uh, then you can try uh, something else like uh, an onaddy.com. And then go ahead and uh, unsubscribe to all these other things that have my email address. Well, I, I, I wouldn't unsubscribe. <laughs> I would just um, I would just create a new account if it's something um, uh, incidental, you know, like a cooking site where you want their newsletter or something like that. If it's a, yeah. a site that you've done business with and you have an account and they have a, a record of your previous orders. I would just go in and switch the email associated with with that account and keep all the other information. It depends. It depends on what the. Or just keep them, you know, or if you just don't want to go through the hassle, just say, "All right, from this day forward, I'm going to use anonymous email addresses." Yeah. And then over time, you know, that'll that the 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 older ones will trickle off, and you'll be tracked less. So, um, you know, that's that's probably that's definitely the easiest way to go. That's that's what I'm doing, honestly. Is just like, I use the Apple built-in okay. Safari feature. 
Um, and then, you know, yeah. the other ones I'll just, you know, I'll either unsubscribe. Okay, yeah, I can. So I'll go ahead and do the uh, Safari on my iPad. Yes, that'll work and, well. Uh, if you have an iPad updated to the latest version of the system, it works really well. And anytime you're using the Safari browser, if there's an email field that pops up down above your keyboard, it, it'll let you use what you have as your main email address. And next to it, it'll have a little um, text that says, hide my email, and that will generate the the email. And if you don't like the one it comes up with, you can tell it to, to um, churn out another one. You know, you can kind of have it refresh to oh, a different okay. address. And I've never found the need to do okay. that, but that's nice that they offer that option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling so that... My... Go ahead. Yeah. So the, um, the link then is duckduck.com? No, duckduckgo.com. Yeah, and you're going to have okay. to look around to, to sign up for the... It's called an email filtering service because it uh, gets the emails into the duckduckgo server and the email, the actual email address is at duck.com. That's what your email ends with, you know, instead of like at pacific.net. Oh. But the, the, okay. the web browser and search, and search engine, uh, that was the, essentially the parent company of this email service is called duckduckgo. And that's at duckduckgo.com. And you would go there first and look okay, or, search great. around for the, um, email filtering service. And then you also have okay, to ins yeah, you have to install the um, the Duck DuckDuckGo um, search extension into whatever browser you're using Firefox or Safari or uh, yeah, Chrome, Chrome or any of the other ones. But uh, that yeah. that email um, an anonymizer will work in any of those browsers as long as you have that extension. Excellent. Hey, thanks for the call. Hey, well. Yeah, good luck. Thank you very Give us a much. call back after you've used okay, it for a while bye. and let, you, let us know what you think. Bye-bye. 895-2448, area code 707-895-2448. We've got about 10 minutes left on point and click before Radiogram with Jamie Roberts uh, up next on KZYX and Z Public Radio. Let's go back to the phones. We've got calls coming in. Hi, you're on the air. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Great program, great topics. I, w I was wondering if there might be time for a Science Wednesday moment. What's that? If, if we could talk about science for a moment. Sure. A science Wednesday moment. A Science Wednesday moment, yeah. Okay. <laughs> some favorite subjects. Yeah, boy, there's been some good ones. Uh, the uh, James, yeah, I, James I, Webb I, Telescope. What's uh, fascinating me is the James Webb, the James Webb Telescope that uh, is collecting information from deep space. And uh, I'm, I was just going over the mechanics of that, and it's my understanding that it's about a million miles from Earth. Uh, I don't understand what the orbit is. I believe it's really orbiting the sun, and I know that it has fuel on board, and it's my understanding that it is hiding behind the shadow of the Earth so the sun doesn't interfere with its ability to collect this information that's passing us by from deep space. Did you say the the web is out a million miles now? I, I believe so, yeah. I think it's like four times as much as the moon, and it's not, it's not orbiting the Earth. And so my question is, what do you call this when it's, 
it's sort of uh, tagging along, I believe, on an Earth orbit around the sun. No, uh, it's, I, I'm it's, really it's, uninformed about this. It, it seems very interesting to me. And it does have fuel on board, and it, it has to adjust itself using its fuel. Um, and I'm just fascinated with the robotic exploration of, of space. I think it's really the way to go. Isn't it partly solar-powered, too? Yes, it is giant solar panels. But it is. I, I hope I'm right, but I believe it is in the shadow of the Earth. And if 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 so, what do you, it is being eclipsed by Earth? I, I have these questions that these are not statements, are not truths. So I just wonder if uh, if anybody out there in the short minutes we have left could explain a few of those details to me. Well, one of the things I, I understand, you guys could explain what the uh, James Webb Telescope is. It is marketed, and I think the media says it looks in, it gets, it looks into deep space. I don't think that's exactly right. I think the information from deep space is, is deep space. Space is passing us by, and it has a sensitivity to collect that information, which is an infrared signature. Well, um, one of those, one of the reasons for that is that it's operating as close to absolute zero temperature as it possibly can and the only way you can achieve that is to not you know is to block the sun's rays and to be yeah and I, I think that i think the earth they, is a big umbrella it, there i'm just fascinated by all of this i think it's great when they deployed the, well it's an it's an amazing astonishingly complicated piece of equipment and miraculously everything worked when they sent it yeah. up there um, because it is a mile it, it is a million miles away they couldn't go and repair it if there was a problem not like they could with the <laughs> Hubble, uh, telescope but it's orbiting around the sun at, at what is called one of the Lagrange points. And this is something that a mathematician by the name of uh, Lagrange, uh, Joseph Luis Lagrange, uh, discovered. And that is positions in space, and I'm reading here from a NASA website, positions in space where the gravitational forces of a two-body system like the sun and the earth produce enhanced regions of attraction and repulsion. These can be used by spacecraft to reduce fuel consumption needed to remain in position. Basically, as I understand it, to translate that is that it's at this perfect spot, and there are a couple of Lagrange points, and they call it like Lagrange 1 and Lagrange 2, where the sun's gravity and the earth's gravity complement one another in a way that a, 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 a satellite orbiting, or a telescope in this case orbiting, almost are kind of like suspended between the two bodies it's a space so hammock use a lot of fuel to keep it in position. yeah it's a space hammock <laughs> it's, <laughs> i like that <laughs> in the shade and and I, I do believe that all uh all space exploration objects stand on the shoulders of those that came before them so humans are amazing how could some guy figure all this out before computers and and we put all this yeah. it went out there and worked is it's, it's astonishing well look at I, isaac yeah. isaac newton figured out that all the planetary orbits are elliptical i mean think and that was before computers or even that was before slide rules. slide rules or anything <laughs> yeah it was amazing um yeah. i've i've got a um i'm glad you brought up space because i, I just yeah, thanks for taking my call oh thanks for up. calling Thank yeah thanks to call um 
You know, William Shatner got comped on a space flight with Jeff Bezos. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. Did you Did you read the article? This is from back last October, but there's something called the overview effect from people that go into space. Yeah. Um, uh, William Shatner played the original Captain Kirk in uh, the original Star Trek TV series, and he never went into space when he was Captain Kirk, but... <laughs> He, fi <laughs> he finally went up into space and his experience. And I think uh, Bezos was figuring he could, this would be great, great advertising for his, you know, space flights, Sorry. you know, if you wanted to buy a $20 million ticket to, to exit the atmosphere. Um, Shatner wasn't told what to expect in space, but he didn't uh, predict what happened. He had been excited to travel to space and had thought about it for nearly 60 years. He didn't think he'd be overwhelmed with sadness or that he'd go through the strongest feelings of grief that he ever experienced. Yeah. Um, when he got out, out of the atmosphere, he said, um, I guess he could see the currents of the atmosphere and looking down. The overview is effect is when you're out above the earth looking down at it and just have this intense emotional reaction to the fact that this is our planet and outside of this outside of this world a lot of cold yeah um this is what shatner said it was the death that i saw in space and the life force that i saw coming from the planet the blue the beige and the white he said and i realized one was death and the other was life hmm. uh and this is, he was 90 years old when he went up into space and he had, you know, been known as uh, somebody associated with space travel just from being Captain Kirk. But this was not what Jeff wanted for, for a happy, happy <laughs> note <laughs> right. on space travel. I mean, he just he said he looked up into the black because I heard the, you know, there's a recording of him doing it. This is on NPR. If you just go look, search mm. for it, you can, you can find the, uh, the short NPR clip that uh, that this is, it's on the NPR.org site. William Shatner experienced profound grief in space is the title of the piece. But, um, you know, he said he looked down at the earth and saw the life and he turned around and looked up at the blackness of space and all he saw was death and it really affected him profoundly. So it's I'm so, glad the, uh, so deep. I'm glad the James, astronauts what's that? About, you hear other astronauts talk about yeah. that overview effect of just being, so humbled and so aware of the fact that we are for all of our petty battles of nations versus nations and races versus races we are sharing this one little tiny rock in the middle of the vast void of space and it's something that they always so often you'll hear them say like i wish that i could share this experience with everybody on earth because it would make them rethink the pettiness that uh, that we often show i know they, Really amazing. Yeah. We're out of time, Jim. Well, a pleasure as always, Bob. That was a fun show. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Let's go uh, visit the uh, James Webb telescope sometime. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold there, so bring, bring a jacket. No, just bring your um, Oculus. <laughs> this has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.